Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is episode 12 of District of Conservation. District of Conservation is sponsored by Real Camo Girl, which is a lifestyle brand focused on ladies who love the great outdoors. Through the website and social media platforms, it offers a safe space where the ladies can share their pictures, stories, wild game, and fish recipes, plus news articles about conservation and hunting perspectives. I've been a team member for two years, and I highly recommend it. You can learn more at realcamogirl.com and follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and other supporting platforms. We are 12 episodes deep into the series. Very cool. Thank you for listening. And today's episode is going to be unique. I sit down with Alan Luck of the American Sport Fishing Association to talk about a myriad of issues related to fishing. So I hope you tune in for that. But before I begin... I want to encapsulate my feelings on my first big game hunt for white-tailed deer, which didn't go my way, but I took away a lot from that. I went with Ken Perot, who is a really renowned outdoor writer here in Virginia. He, You will recognize him from multiple magazines for national organizations, and he's been mentoring me, and I didn't take the shot, I should say. I, he wrote a really good piece on my experience and said that I was a, a good mentee, and I should be hunting with him more um, very soon. So you can read that at the Fredericksburg Freelance Star if you guys want to learn more. So here is the episode with Alan. We are live from Old Town Alexandria doing a podcast interview with Alan Luck of the American Sport Fishing Association. So Alan, thank you for joining us. We've been having some technical difficulties, but I think we finally achieved the right audio. So dip into a little bit about your role at the ASA and what you guys have been working on. Yeah, so um, I am the social media manager for the ASA, and so I manage all of our channels. And uh, basically what we do here is uh, we're we're this sport fishing association uh, as a whole. So think think of any company within the industry, and chances are they're probably a a member of ours. But what we do is really take into account uh, what the issues are in the sport fishing industry and lobby on behalf of all of our membership. Yeah, that's really good. And you guys have been working on some very critical pieces of legislation, like the Modern Fish Act. So talk a little bit about that bill, where it stands currently, and uh, why is it important for recreational fishing? Yeah, so the Modern Fish Act uh, is basically a bill for federal saltwater fishing. And basically, as, as I described uh, when we were talking before, mm-hmm. uh, all of fishing is in federal waters is all based on what's called the Magnuson-Stevens Act. And, and this goes all the way back to 1976. And uh, basically at the time when they, when they made it, it was to be all-encompassing. Uh, but over the years, uh, there are really some very stark differences between commercial fishing and recreational fishing. And what the Modern Fish Act does is to try to uh, shed light on, on the differences uh, in, in the need for managing the two very differently from, from each other. Yeah, because there are very stark differences between commercial 
and recreational. They're not one and the same. They may go, people may go fishing, but they are very, very different in terms of uh, how they are carried out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, commercial fishing is based on tonnage, which is not a weight system that you would use uh, in order to encompass a uh, fishing a way of fishing that, that's maybe a, a two-catch limit-per-day structure. Uh, and, and so it, it's very different. Uh, the, the season structures are different. Uh, and, and just the bill is, is it, we want it to be based on science. And, and so the whole bill is to basically um, come up with, it, with a different strategy for managing saltwater species for the recreational uh, anglers. And so it, the bill is that it's uh, to increase access mm-hmm. for recreational angling. It seems like in, any time there's uh, there, there's limits or seasonal changes, uh, it's always put back on the recreational anglers, uh, whether it be cut seasons or, or mm-hmm. whatnot. And uh, so basically, uh, based on sound science, we can really kind of get a grip of, of what the angler harvest is on the mm-hmm. recreational side of things. So... Uh, to really show the numbers, to show the uh, fishing community, to show Congress um, just how little impact two uh, percent of, of the overall harvest in marine in marine waters. That's that's huge. Yeah. So if this is based in science and conservation, how come there's so much opposition? Let's say by the certain restaurant associations, some in the commercial sector. Why why are they opposed to the Modern Fish Act? I, I think a lot of it is just uh, fear of having more people in the water. Um, and uh, just uh, kind of miseducation as well, uh, having talking to the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the commercial side of things. It's, uh, it's restaurant, the restaurant industry. And uh, the crazy thing about it is, is America does a whole lot of uh, Im- importing versus uh, exporting. So most restaurants aren't even getting their uh, meat from the United States, which is... It's ironic. Uh, yeah, you, you would think that uh, with, with a bill of this nature, there wouldn't be any reason for... Uh, like getting tuna from abroad yeah, instead of like yeah. seeing it from caught in Virginia Beach or uh, caught from Gloucester, Massachusetts or something like right, that. Right. It's usually, yeah. Yeah, and this is basically to uh, just protect the species. Uh, it, it, it's conservation-based, so there is a whole lot of... Uh, the urge in, in having more people on the water, having more people mm-hmm. fishing, that's more recreational dollars being put back towards conservation, mm-hmm. whether it be your, your licensing mm-hmm. or, or your, your buying tackle, excise taxes. And uh, we are the conservationists uh, for our marine resources. The, the amount of money that recreational fishing gives back. Like is, billions of dollars each year. huge, yeah. Yeah, and I think people underestimate the prowess that recreational anglers exert because they do put their money where their mouth is. They're not just out fishing or just taking advantage of access or the resources. They're actually part of groups. They give back. They try to pass it on. Any expense that they have is largely tied back to excise taxes. Uh, the tax with which uh, that goes back towards, I think it's like, what, 10 or 11% for fishing tackle. That goes back towards uh, the state wildlife agencies through the DOI. And they do see their expenses helping benefit conservation. And I think a lot of the people, say, in the restaurant industry or those who are criticizing this bill don't necessarily do the same, and I think they underestimate how pivotal recreational anglers are. Right. I mean, the more recreational dollars, the more anglers are out there, the better and better benefits 
from the conservation side of things, which is huge. Yeah, that is very true. And how, what do you think is the status? Will it pass in the lame duck session? Will it be moved over to the new Congress? Is it viable beyond the lame duck session, you think, or no? Uh, yeah, fing- fingers crossed that it will be to the president's desk uh, by the end of the year. That's definitely our hope. Uh, but if it's not, uh, we'll go after it again in the next Congress. And uh, whether that be uh, keeping it the way it is, whether it be adding to another bill, uh, because that was, that was a big uh, kind of difference between the House passing and what it is in the Senate is the House was part of a, of a broader bill. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were just adding amendments in there that were part of the ideals of the Modern Fish Act, mm-hmm. whereas in the Senate, it's an exclusive bill in itself. And so it might it might be that uh, in, in the future we might have to go back to the drawing board and and put it in a in a broader bill, uh, but we'll see. Fingers crossed that it does. Uh, yeah, because it's long overdue to have something like that uh, because the way with it with it uh, the way that it is managed currently doesn't seem unsustainable. It's unfair to the recreational angler. It could I think inhibit access down the road because if someone is told, well, you won't be able to catch this type of fish during this season or your season is limited or especially for saltwater opportunities, I think that could hurt uh, fishing and kind of uh, push back participation and kind of the successes fishing has seen in the industry at whole because participation is increasing, more people are taking up poles and that could be an inhibit and and that could inhibit, I would say, uh, people from fishing. Would you, would you believe that? Yeah. Yeah. In in the eyes of Congress right now, uh, seeing that it is all under that one, uh, one bill, the Madison Stevens Act, mm-hmm. uh, it's showing Congress and it, it's showing our lawmakers uh, that there are that there are differences. These are two different uh, activities that need to be managed very very differently. And so the uh, kind of the more understanding uh, amongst our lawmakers, uh, it just helps the industry as a whole just uh, to show as, as we were talking about uh, the two percent of the overall GDP, just Mm -hmm. how large the outdoor industry is. And Mm -hmm. uh, these are your constituents. These are people that you need to listen to. That is very true. And I think people underestimate anglers and anglers are actually, and we'll talk more about this, about other pieces of legislation, but anglers were the ones um, that have been leading a lot uh, with efforts done in Florida with the discharges and the runoff that comes from all the agricultural work and even fertilizers from people, residential houses. So anglers have been trying to fight for clean water in Lake Okeechobee, which we'll expand upon um, when we talk more about other legislation. Uh, But besides the Modern Fish Act, you guys not just do uh, saltwater fishing, you do freshwater fishing. And what other key victories did you guys have recently, would you say? Yeah. uh, So on the saltwater side, uh, a big one that we were working on was California uh, drift gill nets. And so basically what they are is they're, they're huge mile-long nets that are put in the ocean mm-hmm. uh, specifically to target swordfish. Uh, but in catching swordfish, you also catch every other species that, you, mm-hmm. as, as it's called, bycatch, the not, non-target species. And so in, in doing that, there's uh, destruction to, uh, to whales, to uh, sea turtles, just a lot of non-target species. And... Uh, it's kind of crazy to think how left California is, but they were the <laughs> only state in to the United this? States that still allowed this. Interesting. And uh, that was huge to uh, to get that banned. I think it's by 2021 they have to be fully uh, commercial. Fishermen have to navigate to, to more, uh, I guess, cleaner ways of fishing. Interesting. Yeah, so uh, we did that. 
Um, on the freshwater side of things in California, we also uh, halted a ban on lead, lead tackle, um, which, is, which is a huge part of recreational fishing um, on both the saltwater and the freshwater side, like we talked about before. Mm -hmm. uh, tungsten has kind of become a big uh, part of freshwater fishing, but uh, uh, tungsten is, is expensive, and for like a lot of saltwater weights, uh, it's not feasible to have them in. Would it corrode upon being applied to saltwater? I don't know if that's been a debate. Maybe uh, I'm ignorant on the issue, but yeah, does it erode more so than lead? Um, I'm not sure that it corrodes. I, I think the kind of the uh, argument was that it was killing killing birds, uh, and there wasn't a lot of science based on this. But uh, because we always see the warnings, lead could yep. lead to poisoning and right. this type of stuff associated with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and on on the level of the size of like a weight, I don't think it's as bad as if you. Uh, I don't know, like a, a huge chunk of lead. These are little, yeah, it's so minuscule in yeah. comparison to like a portion of lead that could actually right, cause yeah. detrimental And in the saltwater environment, you're, you're dealing with very deep water. Uh, to suggest that a bird is diving uh, <laughs> so, so many feet all the way down yeah. to the bottom of the ocean and eating, it's, it's not a sound argument. So uh, Basically, it was trying to be done without actual science backing this. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we were erring on the side of we, we'd like the, the science to be done. If, you, if it's proven that this is uh, so destructive to the environment, uh, we'll move on if, there, if there's the science to back it up. But, uh, right. But the consensus really in the industry is it's kind of mixed. Most people still prefer to use it kind of like the debate over whether they should keep gas-powered or oil-powered uh, battery uh Batteries for fishing and, yeah. and engines, yeah. much like that. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting debate to, to still be had. But, yeah, I think people, there's still no definitive study or conclusion whether or not a small, minute amount of lead. And people can use tungsten if they want, but overall that you think the industry is just use it as long as you're using it wisely, that yeah. kind of. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we always err on the side of make sure that you properly dispose yeah. your gear when you're done right. with it. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but yeah, that's, uh, that was an issue. Um, also, we worked on a, uh, basically, there's a, it's called the East Florida Closed Zone. And it was a zone in order to protect uh, swordfish. And uh, basically, there was a group of longliners that were coming in and trying to fish that area because it is a fish-rich area, but it's also a nursery for mm -hmm. a lot of fish, and that's why it was closed because uh, numbers of swordfish were going down, and they figured out that this was a nursery environment. Um, and so the numbers have come back uh, very well, but basically this group was saying because the numbers have mm -hmm. come back, we should be mm -hmm. able to, even though they were the reason for mm -hmm. a lot of the destruction in the first place. And so they were working with a university uh to try to, on the basis of calling it a study, a mm -hmm. scientific study, uh, just to gain access to it. But uh, because of recreational anglers, because of uh, concerned citizens, uh, the college ended up backing out of out of uh, sponsoring the study, which mm. was uh, which was big that they saw what flack they were getting yeah. from uh, from environmental groups from. Uh, recreational anglers, mm -hmm. and uh, so that was uh, big that that was halted uh, for us as well. So yeah, there's there's a lot of different bills outside of the Modern Fish Act that yeah. we work on too. And talk about 
Keep America Fishing's uh, campaign to recycle, tackle, uh, weights, things of that sort. So go more into detail about what that is. Yeah, yeah. So we have uh, the Pledge to Pitch It, which is our soft plastic disposal campaign. And basically, it's just uh, it's an awareness. Uh, basically, uh, we all have seen people at, at some point or another throwing mm-hmm. their worms or their lizards or whatever plastic it might be back into the water. And it, it's just a awareness campaign. And uh, so you can go to pledgetopitcher.com and sign the, or dot org, sorry, and uh, sign the pledge. But it, it's basically like uh, just promising to be aware and to properly dispose your your soft plastics after a day on the water. And that just keeps them out of our waterways and uh, protects the fish as well. So um, it's just clean, clean up your environment. And it's, uh, we've kind of expanded it also uh, into all uh, trash as a whole, but uh mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just throw your trash away, be conservationist, and show the general public that we are uh, looking out for our resources and we are the ones that are keeping these waterways around for fishing, uh, protecting our fish species. Yeah. Yeah, That's good sage of advice to break away from the stereotype that recreational anglers are Elmer Fudd types that don't care, (laughs) (laughs) which is patently false too. I think if you spend enough time in the industry, you'll see that's not the case. Definitely. We talk a lot. I think we, we've talked off offline about uh, fishing opportunities in the area and how to overcome obstacles to access when living in a metropolitan area. And I would think uh, Mike Iaconelli's new show, Fish My City, does a good effort of that. So talk a little bit about why you think that show kind of challenges that stigma of not being able to fish in a city area, urban area, and then also what you do or what, what are your type of favorite fishing scenarios are here in the metro area? Yeah, um, so Mike Iconelli has always been a very strong proponent of, of getting kids into fishing, uh, mm-hmm. just spreading it to a larger audience. He was a, uh, a kid from New Jersey growing up in, in Philadelphia area. He was, uh, he was a break dancer as a kid what? and a DJ. I didn't and know so that. So he doesn't fit the traditional stereotype <laughs> of what you think of an angler. Yeah, you'll, you'll see him sometimes when he... Uh, catches a fish he'll actually uh, do a do a break dance really on oh his my gosh so, so yeah he's, he's i think he's almost 50 years old but he's still what still he does not do look it. 50 he looks so young oh my gosh <laughs> yeah and and so basically the the show is to show people that in your urban environments there are still fishing opportunities mm-hmm. and so he's been all around the country internationally just trying to show people that there are fishing opportunities regardless of where you are and so uh the show is great on Nat Geo Wild for gaining a larger audience outside of the fishing mm-hmm. world. It's not on the outdoor channel or something mm-hmm. like that. The, it's very limiting. It, it's on a channel that millions and millions of people are going to see, and it's it's a great opportunity to uh, to grow the sport and introduce it to a way larger demographic. Yeah, because you can only talk to the echo chamber for so long. Yep. You need to, I think, having it on, like, I know Discovery Channel has a lot of programs, Nat Geo, Nat Geo Wild. Animal Planet too. Even uh, they're they're trying to expand. I would say the gospel of fishing to wider audiences, which is a good effort. Yeah, yep. And, and so you you were talking about in in the areas. Yeah, in our DC metro area. Yeah, there's uh, Potomac River is huge. Uh, it's a great. It's I say it's one of the top bass fishing destinations. It is, and and not only the state of Virginia, but also um, according to every poll, it's it's always like in the really? top fifty lakes in, in really? the country. 
And so it, it's great opportunities on the Potomac. There's uh, a lot of opportunities on the Chesapeake, which the Potomac leads into. Yes, yes. And, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of good lakes in, in the state, too. But uh, I, I think people underestimate from the hunting and fishing side just how rich Virginia is, is mm-hmm. for outdoor sports. Yeah, there we were one of the first original colonies, <laughs> 13 yeah. colonies, and there's so much water here. I was surprised. I ironically go fishing more here than I did when I moved when I lived in California. So that speaks to how enriched this area is with opportunities. Like you go to Maryland and you can go to the mountains for trout or down south or northeast to Ocean City and get your hand at trout or speckled trout or sorry, tuna speckled trout or redfish and there's just so many different species and i think inland near richmond what is it like there's a pike and chain pickerel and monster catfish and walleye and and uh, northern pike there's just so much here in our in our area and in our state as a whole definitely uh, that that exists and you recently went fishing and you i would say arguably caught a very interesting catch of a lifetime (laughs) explain explain that to to our listeners what you caught because it was when you texted me messaged me that i was like what the heck it's really (laughs) awesome (laughs) yeah i I saw something i've never seen uh, on the water before and I'm not sure if this uh, buck was one that someone had uh, shot with an arrow and couldn't find. Uh, it, was, it was pretty, uh, the, the birds had really gotten to it by the time I found it. But you could only see one side of the rack sticking out of the water. And but its antlers were left intact oh, pretty yeah. much, yeah. I, I could tell it was a, it was a massive, it, it was one you would put on your wall for sure. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, I, I went over it and uh, I, I ended up taken it up to turn into a euro mount but it's uh it's it's a specimen (laughs) you can catch anything while fishing (laughs) yeah yeah. just the things you see in in nature yeah yeah it's awesome (laughs) it's really cool when i saw i was like in disbelief but it makes sense because some people may have missed and it could have drowned or something yeah and and everything is so buoyant here so that was a yeah also uh the rut was was kind of the, the, the just early starting, stages right? of the rut, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and what happens is the the bucks will basically stop eating, uh, and just the, all their mind is on is is dozed. And yeah. So it's if if there's going to be a uh, a die off, it's it's usually during this period or right after when it gets really wintry cold because mm-hmm. they've uh, they've expelled as much energy as possible during this time of the right. year, and so they're at their most vulnerable state. And can drown and then be made into euro mounts. <laughs> yeah. But hey, that goes to show that in fishing, you can catch anything. Definitely. You can catch weeds. You can catch other wildlife by accident or yeah. a really cool catch of a lifetime with the target species that you're yeah. trying to go after. And on the theme of participation in fishing, uh, what do you have in terms of a recommendation for newbies, people interested what should people do if they want to learn more about fishing? How can they get involved? Yeah, I'd say the number one uh, way that I recommend is to find local anglers in your area, uh, whether it's Facebook or Instagram. Mm-hmm. You can you can really uh, it, it's a tight knit community and and it's a very welcoming community too. Very much and, so. Uh, just use use other people as resources. Uh, online stuff is great, but learning firsthand from somebody is is definitely the way to go. And uh, like I said, anglers are. They they want to teach they want they want to train mm-hmm. maybe not give away their fishing spots no but, no. but definitely they're they're willing to teach you techniques and uh, get you involved because uh, 
yeah, we're, we're very interested in growing the community as we've discussed. Because you said it's 48 million, 49, 49 million, million per the recent Fish and Wildlife Service report yep, that yep. came out. I think it's like up like 3.7 or something percent. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's growing. Because I think a sister organization, the Recreational Boating and Fishing Foundation, which I've worked with, and they're lovely people, mostly women actually, who, who do a lot of mm-hmm. the work there. And uh, they have the 60 and 60 campaign to reach yep. that goal. And I think the industry is slowly but surely getting uh, to where they want to be. And it's a little easier than, let's say, compared to hunting because hunting requires more skill. It's a little harder to access. It's not that inexpensive right. as people would think, although there are inexpensive ways to go hunting. But fishing, to me, it just seemed easier when I started in California. My dad just picked up poles. He had extra poles. Then we went to deep sea fishing or trout fishing or lake fishing. And it's a lot easier uh, even in a more expensive state like California or even New York. Uh, and sometimes it's a good stepping stone into sportsmen's activities. Yeah. I would say for me it was. And, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's easier. And I think I hope that people would take advantage of it because it is so much fun. Yeah, yeah. And as you and I were talking, it, mm-hmm. it's really uh, – there's a, there's a drive to uh, grow – Grow women in the sport, and uh, absolutely fifty-fifty on the yeah, water. Yeah, it's really coming From out. Orvis. They're mm-hmm. really coming out, uh, and I think that's a demographic that wasn't exactly targeted the best mm-hmm. it could have been. And so there, there's a lot of new, new initiatives. Uh, there's uh, companies coming out with women's lines and uh, and targeting that in their their marketing campaigns. Not and, just pink rods, but yeah, retrofitted yeah. rods yeah. and reels and female clothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, definitely the biggest demographic right now on the rise. And if you had to pick or say several resources, where should people go? Like to learn about initiatives, Mm -hmm. uh, how to access certain things. What are your go-to resources for learning how to fish? Um, YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. YouTube's probably the number one, um, resource for me. Um, watch fishing shows, listen to podcasts. Uh, there's so much that can be learned and, and so many resources, uh, to learn from, but, yeah, uh, online sites and, and uh, there, there's specific sites according to even the species you're trying to target. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely take advantage of your social media, take advantage of YouTube and all of those entities. And to to, to get ready to reel a fish. Yeah. So, yeah. Alan, how can people connect with you and learn more about you, your tournament fishing, and get involved with Keep America Fishing ASA? Yeah, to get involved with uh, Keep America Fishing and to learn about our issues, you can go to keepamericafishing.org. Uh, and to get involved, it, there's a join us. And joining us... Uh, Is it more membership-based? Or? Yeah, yeah. For, for, for some organizations, join us means that you're going to pay a... Uh, membership fee. Membership fee. Yeah. But uh, for us, all it is is you're subscribing to our email when you uh, join us. And basically, that'll send you all the issues that we're dealing with. And through our website, through our Action Center, it links you directly to your senators, to your reps, and uh, puts you in touch with the right people. And and you can contact on our issues uh, through there. You can follow us on social media. And uh, we we also do a lot of on our stories and uh, just sharing the issues on every platform uh, that we can so you can get to us through our social media as well. That's very good. And I encourage everyone to go to takemefishing.org, follow them on social media, and best place for people to connect with you because you're a repository of information too. So I hope people from uh, listening to the podcast can follow you and, and learn more about like what you do. So what, what what's the best way for people to connect with you? Yeah, uh, 
you, you can email me at aluck at asafishing.org, um, as well as follow me directly on social media. But I, I take care of all the channels, like I said. So we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can reach out to me through any of those, and I'll answer any questions that you have about our and you campaigns. And you want about, submissions from people if they catch some interesting fish? Yeah, yeah. Tag, tag us in your photos. That, that's huge. Perfect. We'll... Uh, we do the Monday catch is, is something that we do and, and try to share everyone's posts from the previous week. But, uh, yeah, tag us and, and we, we love great photography for sure. And, uh, just the more of that available, the more keep American fishing tags we can get, the better. Cause it, it not only helps us to reach a larger audience, but it helps our campaigns too to grow, to get more advocates. Yeah. It's all about growing and networking and increasing our numbers. Definitely. Yeah, so Alan, this has been wonderful. I appreciate you letting me come to the ASA offices. And I would say this is my first real go-to broadcasting outside of my little home office studio. But I thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, the latest updates from Capitol Hill in relation to the Modern Fish Act and everything else fishing related because it's so important. And I wish people would learn more about organizations like yours and the good work that you guys do to promote fishing freedom. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime. I thank Alan for coming on the podcast to talk about issues like the Modern Fish Act and other corresponding legislation that affects sportsmen, especially anglers, because sometimes things are too convoluted even for my understanding. So I want to bring on people who can break it down for you even clearer than I can and who live, eat and breathe it and work day to day uh, on those issues more so than us regular folks. So... I think that was a good podcast. And if you want to get more of this or see this go more far and wide, we recommend you guys subscribe to us on supporting portals like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and elsewhere. You can go to anchor.fm to find all the past episodes. You can subscribe to us, leave a comment, and chime in on your thoughts on how this podcast is going. If you have recommendations for people you want to see featured on this show, going forward i will happily take those recommendations and you can connect with us you can connect with me the host uh, across social media on facebook instagram and twitter and my business blog and you can find and follow the podcast on instagram twitter and facebook we're visible everywhere and we want to help reach more people so if you want to do that and share the good word about district of conservation Please feel free to do so. We welcome that and we look forward to uh, your feedback as to the past 12 episodes. And we're going to try to continue this as best as we can unless some supernatural being prevents us from doing so. So thank you for supporting the podcast, for taking a listen, and we should have more great content for you going forward.